Welcome to the Mogabar Show. My name's Gabe. On today's show, we're going to be speaking with Marina Paul, author of Becoming a Superhero. Marina is a former collegiate athlete at Georgetown University, where she was co-captain of the women's soccer team. Marina is going to speak to us today about her journey from a collegiate athlete to where she is today, an author writing a book during one of the most troubling times in human history. Something that I learned, what I learned um, from the women that I interviewed and something I specifically looked for were women who, of course, like they're successful by definition um, in their position, whether, you know, they're named the CEO or the general counsel or lieutenant colonel or something. But I think what I found so admirable about them, admirable about them was that they were those leaders from the sidelines, right? Like they were in these high positions, but they made leadership seem like it was all team first oriented. And even if things weren't going well for them personally, like they were still able to show up to enable and, you know, their teams to be successful and however possible. And that speaks volumes to me that, that, like you just said, speaks so much more about your character and just who you, yeah, I guess what you can bring to the table than um, sort of any accolade that you can achieve. And that's really where this definition of superheroism comes from. It's like finding the best within yourself, no matter what situation you're in, so you can bring out the best in others. And that's, I think, what makes our world go round, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's one of the powerful messages is that you showed it from multiple perspectives. You have, you know, this athlete, you know, co-captain, captain of a D1 soccer team at Georgetown University. Um sidelined with a really bad injury. Um, This is an injury that not too long ago, people were not coming back from. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you came back, but you had to be on the sidelines. You weren't starting anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. everyone else in your position, you want to be out on the pitch. You want to be out there because that's who you are. You know, that's what Mm -hmm. has defined you for so long because you're still a young person at this time. I mean, you're still young now, but you were even, you know, younger then. So you're still very much in that mindset after, athlete prime of your life um athletic life excuse me you know prime of your Mm -hmm. athletic Mm -hmm. career and you know you're still an alpha in in that sense because athletes are very much alphas you know you want to be Mm -hmm. out there you think you can do it all you know injuries Mm -hmm. aside we can do it all um Mm -hmm. and that's humbling and that takes a lot of introspection, I think, because you have to see that for yourself. But I think being able to show that vulnerability to your teammates, to little girls that maybe are watching you play and or not play and be like, why isn't Marina playing? You know, why isn't she out mm-hmm. there? Um, I think it's a powerful mm-hmm. conversation. It's a powerful message. Not everyone can just come back out and be out there you know, on the field, Mm -hmm. on the court, on the pitch, whatever their circumstances are and play right away and and be the starter right away. Sometimes you have to work towards it. And sometimes that work isn't necessarily all physical. Um, So what was the mental aspect like for you? Because that was hard. Yeah. So it's so funny because I was reflecting on this. So my book launched April 28th, 2021. And I was so it was so interesting. I was like, what is this feeling going to be like? And I, so I was reflecting on, and it was, it was like a big downer and we can talk about that. But 
I was comparing it to something else I'd experienced and it was really my injury experience. It's like this, you, you overcome this big thing talking about an injury. You, you know, you write a book and then you're like, okay, great. Now, like you just, you just overcome. So I think the process of like writing a book mentally and coming back from an injury are, were oddly very similar to me and that it was the first being injured and tearing my ACL twice in nine months. Um, that was the first time I couldn't really physical my way out or athletic my way out of something. Of course, like you do your daily routines. And I was like very, very habitual, like very gung ho about like every single thing that I did down to like all my nutrition, my sleep and like everything. Cause I was like, I'm doing everything to get back as best as possible. And then I ended up tearing my ACL again. And so it really was like this just it felt like mental trauma a little bit just because it's like, what did I do wrong? And sometimes I just really learned that sometimes you can do everything in your power and things still end up as versus they could have, which was for me blowing out my knee again at the end of my career when I was actually starting to do really, really well. So I think for me mentally, it was like, it was the first time I had to sit with myself and be like, okay, it, it was a lot of the identity piece of, oh, I'm an athlete. Like, I don't know what else to do or how to think or how to like literally move without doing what I've always done. And so you have the physical aspect of it, but you also have that mental of like, I need to mentally overcome this. I need to mentally be a leader and find that within myself and find like who I am if I don't have that physical aspect of me. And then relating that to writing a book, it was like the first time I couldn't go you know, crash it on a fitness test. And then a book was the result or, you know, I couldn't like crash it. And then I won a national championship. Like you are sitting with yourself for hours on end, rewriting sentence after sentence. And it was just like, took me, took me way back to the injury piece where it's like, okay, I literally need to sit in this room and figure out like who I am and, or figure out what writer I am, we'll figure out what type of person I am. Um, so yeah, I mean, the mental aspect is deep and it requires you to really, really be honest to yourself, but also show yourself a lot of compassion um, through the process. Did you find, I know for myself personally, I find it very hard to show myself compassion. I'm, I'm extremely hard on mm -hmm. myself. Do you mm -hmm. find that you're the same way that you were not oh, being yeah. compassionate toward yourself? Like, yeah. how did you overcome that? If you, did you go to anyone for help? I know you're close to your family. So how mm -hmm. was that, you know, for you? Yeah. So that has probably been my biggest battle in my life. And I write a lot about this in my book. Um, but for a while I tried my worst and I still do to some extent to my performance. And I didn't allow myself for this freedom to perform. Like everything was tied to results. And I think as athletes, like that's ingrained in us. And that's what enables us to be successful a lot of the times. But I, to me, I did it so much. It was out of detriment that I wholeheartedly be in, believed in perfection. I was the person who said, you know, I'm not a perfectionist, but I was completely a perfectionist. Or I'm not a perfectionist. I just want everything to be perfect. Yeah. So um, I think like as athletes, we have to kind of find that like, common not common ground but like fine line with ourselves where it's like I'm going to perform the best I can do everything do my best today and get what try to get one percent better every day but at the same time like 
allow myself the freedom to perform and trust that I've been, you know, doing the work and everything I can be and allow myself to genuinely show up as myself and not this idea of what I think I should be. Um, and so, yeah, I would say that that was showing myself compassion um, was a massive struggle when I played. And then after I stopped playing, it was so hard because they leaned so much on sports to bring me fulfillment, uh, bring me happiness. And then when I didn't have those, I went to ultimately went and saw a therapist. Um, and that was really helpful. And then I just like, it's slowly putting the pieces together and getting to know yourself. And I think it's, I think showing yourself compassion is a forever journey. I don't think you can, for me, at least, I don't think I can ever like fully be like, I'm so compassionate or I show myself compassionate 100% of the time, all the time. Like, I love myself. And that's definitely for me, never, I don't think going to be my truth. So it's hard. I, so yeah, therapy, talking with friends, um, yeah. being more vulnerable and knowing that like, I'm, I wake up worthy, not, not necessarily that I have to earn that worthiness. Nice. Very good. I, I love, I love that you said that. I want to touch on the therapy aspect. Um, athletes mm-hmm. specifically in general, but you know, any alpha, alpha personality, has a problem admitting either that they need therapy or that they're going to therapy or, you know, even speaking about it. I think it's, there's a, such a huge stigma attached Mm -hmm. to it. Um, the, usually the, you know, no, I don't need that. I'm good. I'm just, you know, just going to hustle through it, or I'm just going to keep, you know, muscle through and move, keep moving along. What, what is your advice to anyone that is potentially struggling with either physical injury, mental you know, injury, um, that needs that sort of pick me up or needs that sort of extra bit of professional advice that they're sort of afraid to get, you know, we all have friends that we talk to that we give advice or that we lean on for advice, but after a while, it does become a broken record where you're like, you need more than I can give you. And it's a disservice for you to me to tell you like, not to go there. Like you need this. What's your advice to them? Because You know, I think for, you know, young girls, young athlete, athletic girls and boys as well, especially for men who are need to be the alpha. They need, you know, look at me, I'm big and bad. What's your advice to all of them? Because I, I think one of the things that I really enjoyed so far is I think your book applies to everyone. It's not. Yes, you've interviewed a lot of um, women in across different fields. But it applies to everyone. If you just open your mind, I think it applies to men and women, boys and girls, you know, young and old alike. And I think, you know, that's something that is really sometimes hard to do, but it shouldn't be because I think it should be just open your mind and it's there. Mm-hmm. You've touched on so many points. And I want to <laughs> start with this idea of, of being tough because it kind of goes back to what I was just talking about with worth, but I always tell myself whenever I get into a situation, like just be tough, like tough it out. Like you're fine. I feel like tough is like one of those words that every athlete like holds very dear to their hearts because they're like, stick it out. I mean, you know, as a former, former collegiate athlete, like it's you, you have to be very tough to an extent. I think where we have to, again, figure out, how far we go with that toughness is like is it being detrimental to like our character and how and I guess 
what we can bring out of ourselves. Like, I think you can only be so tough until you're actually hurting yourself. It takes so much courage to get help. It really does. And it took me, what, eight years to finally say, like, knowing that I was going through stuff mentally, I was like, no, I'm just going to figure it out myself. That's the other thing is like, we're so driven and independent, I think, as athletes that we want to just like do everything on our own. But I think for me, it came down to knowing that like, one, it never hurts to get help. Like, for example, we literally live, if you think about it, you, we literally cannot survive without other people. Like whether you're going to the grocery store or I don't know, filling your gas up, like somebody has to be able to provide that for you to enable you to like survive. So we, we cannot live with other people. And once I realized that, and I was like, it's okay to also lean on other people for help, just as much as I would have leaned on my teammates for help at some point, or my coaches, you know, every single person has watched film, who's an athlete, or, you know, everyone has received feedback, or like, I don't know, just built relationships. And I just think if you put it in sort of a, if you frame it like that and saying like, Hey, I'm just doing this because I want to feel whole and I want to feel happiness all the time. And I want to work through some like deep rooted things that I have going on. It's if you, for me, framing it in sort of like that sports minded way was really, really helpful for me to be like, it's not weakness to go. And I, so that's what I want to compare is like the idea of toughness and weakness and mm-hmm. Um, I write about it, like sort of the metaphor I use is when you tear your ACL, the first thing that orthopedic surgeon says is to straighten your knee, because once you straighten it, like that ensures like full, more, more so ensures full mobility in your leg. Mm -hmm. And so like being tough is like feeling the numbness or not feeling numbness, feeling like the dull pain of like straightening your knee, um, having lighthearted conversations, getting help through a pair, uh, through a therapist and like really feeling those emotions and that's that's what tough means for me now it's not this like numbing all of those sensations and all those feelings so that you can't um so that you can't experience like all the joy as well so I would just say like do what's best for you therapy worked for me for a while but I'm also like a doer and so I, I like part of my therapy also is like writing this book and getting everything out um but don't be afraid to get help. I, I think especially like there's so much with gender stereotypes, especially with men. I have an older brother who was a professional athlete and like, I just saw what him and his teammates, they always had to be manly. And it's just like, it's really sad because I just think if they were able to open up more, like they would just offer this word world even more. Yeah, I agree. As a former athlete, I can completely agree with that. It's mm-hmm. sometimes it's the hardest thing to do, but it is a liberating thing once you begin doing that, you know, not only mm-hmm. in your professional life, but in your personal life as well with your relationships that you may have, you know, spouse, children, whatever you may have one day it really is a liberating feeling. Um, yeah. Let's talk about yeah. your book. You've interviewed a Ooh. lot of interesting and diverse women and for this mm-hmm. book. How did this come up and how did you get a hold of them all? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was pretty savage about it. Um, I started my career working for a startup out of, so one of my best friends from college had started this company with his friend or with his brothers. And I think I, what I learned from them is just to be as scrappy as possible when you want something, ask for it. And the way they built their business really, and like got investors and got people interested and, you know, professional athletes signed on was 
they would reach, they would be unashamed to reach out to anyone in any mechanism. And so I learned that through them. And so honestly, like everything from a DM to a mom's cousin's sister to anything that I, I just found some women, I randomly found women, randomly found them so passionate or I was so passionate about what they're doing and was like, all right, I'm going to do everything I can to get an interview with them. I also think I tried to be more realistic about it. Like I knew I wasn't going to get Oprah. I knew I wasn't going to get, you know, Michelle Obama or um, even Glennon Doyle who wrote Untamed, which I was reading these like super renowned authors. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to find these like local, I call them local. They're still national superheroes, international superheroes too. But um, women who people could potentially interact with or they could be their boss's boss's boss um so it was like a little bit one it was realistic that I could reach them and two it's like they're still doing big things that we can all learn from so and then I think it was really important to me as I was I had a sharp sports angle but then I realized I was like you know what I think this is like a this is a leadership style that applies can be applied everywhere and like you said even if men read it I don't think it's like it's more towards women, mostly because women haven't really been written about in their leadership styles. But I think I, I interviewed across the spectrum because I really wanted to showcase that, you know, all of these women are doing cool things and this type of leadership can apply to any industry. What was your favorite interview or who was your favorite interview? Oh, my gosh. Well, so I think I know I put you were... on the spot. <laughs> I know. And they were all so cool because I literally admire them all so much. I think one of the, one of the ones where I like literally was so nervous and but excited about was Jordan Weber. She was the Olympic gold medalist, 2012 London Olympics um, for gymnastics. She also was a victim of Larry Nassar and um she is the youngest ever head coach of an NCAA or NCAA team ever. And nice. she happens to be obviously female. Um, she coaches University of Arkansas right now. And she just was like, so cool. And you're like, wait, but you're just like international superstar. <laughs> you're just like super normal. Um, and like I mean normal in the sense that like you could just feel like you could get a cup of coffee with her and she's so cool but like obviously not normal what she's accomplished and she's a head coach at 23 like I'm still getting my stuff together and I'm wait you know so it that was so awesome I think it's so hard to say Miss Val so Miss Valerie Condos Field with her was a head coach of UCLA gymnastics team um, for 29 years, won seven national championships. She's one of the most successful head coaches ever in the history of college sports. And her personal mentor was also John Wooden because they overlapped when they were, he was still coaching at UCLA. So she just, she spit out so much wisdom. And she kind of, she came out, she had this interview where she was talking about her athletes as superheroes. And so I asked her more about that. And it was, I remember it was like the weekend after July 4th, 2020. And I was like, can we talk more about this? topic and that's literally how I came up with the book of my the, like the title of my book so I think that one kind of helped set up the tone for the rest of nice. my book um but yeah you're just like each one of those women had so many cool things to say that you're just like can I just like 
talk to you forever. Can I put a reoccurring meeting invite on your calendar? <laughs> just like, it's like, just I just want to keep talking to you. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. exactly. Um, that's awesome. That great. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I think that's very I, I think it's great to get these stories out there. Like these are everybody knows who's Jordan Weaver is um, or should know. And, you know, but not a lot of people get to hear certain conversations that they have, you know, certain insights that they have. Like you said, you know, Yang is head coach or gymnastics head coach in NCAA history. That's amazing. Like, who knows that? They know she's an Olympic gold medalist. They don't know this now because it's like, okay, you're not competing anymore, sort of out of sight, out of mind. But no, she's still competing, you know, and I think in a more profound way because she's saving the lives of, you know, younger athletes and she's helping them. And because of what she went through, unfortunately, she has an insight that she can help shape these young girls' lives in a way and empower them in a way that maybe a, a regular coach would not be able to do. Um, you also had some very powerful leaders. You had coach Linz at Georgetown Mm -hmm. who sort of kind of helped snap you back into talk. Let's talk about Mm -hmm. the power of a good coach. What did that mean for you? And what does that mean, you know, for other people? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I want to say too, I had, I was just lucky with such great coaches at Georgetown. Um, I think just knowing a lot of college coaches and a lot of my friends who've grown up in the athlete world, like there's a lot of great coaches and there are a lot of not so great coaches. And I just was lucky to have all very great coaches. So, but Lindsay, it was so interesting. She's only two years older than me um, at the time. She just, she had this approach to coaching where she was like, I am going to make sure every single athlete is seen every single day. Cause I mean, you're with each other, what, five, six hours a day um outside of class whether it's in film practice lifting whatever and she just went up to every single player no matter if you were the head scorer and like a you know first team all-american or you're a walk-on she would say how hey how are you today kid like every single person all 28 of us and so um I think in that regard like I had never experienced coaching to that degree before and then like wow she like genuinely wants to get to know me I thought like coaches you know I I think a little bit when you get to that competitive level coaches they're cool but like they really like especially later in the season really care about like the starting group and just making sure they're healthy and you know but she wanted to make sure the whole team was on board on mission and she just like genuinely loves people and so with that, I mean, I learned a lot. I think she, the timing couldn't be, couldn't have been more perfect because she started coaching us right when I had both my injuries. And she just really taught me about like, it's not really about how you perform. It is about how you perform in the field, but it's more so about the character, the person you want to be when you look back at yourself in the mirror every morning. And um, I didn't like myself, especially when I was injured. And so um, I also didn't take the time to get to know myself. I just, I was like, I knew I was like super athletic and I knew I could, you know, figure it out and just keep practicing and and try and do well in school and all that. You kind of just, I wasn't going through the motions, but I just, I hadn't really experienced like true adversity yet. And she, when I did, she was just like, Hey man, this is your opportunity and you can, you know, and she led me by example. I was like, I'm just going to try my best to be like Lindsay. And it's not like I'm, I might not be getting everything I want, but I think that's when you learn the most about yourself as well. Um, and so I think 
going back to your point about how important it is to have coaches and leaders that you want to be like, I mean, that's really why I wrote this book. I had found, I had Lindsay and I had a couple other mentors in my life where I was like, you are really phenomenal. But I also saw a lot of bad leadership. I saw a lot of bad leadership in the world. I was like, you do not want your team to succeed. It's all about you or it's about some other alternative, like alternative motive that you have. And it's not like, I don't feel better. Or I don't leave better knowing. I think the success of a leader is when your people can outperform you someday or they leave more successful than when they were when they came in. And so I think a great leader prepares their team for to be more successful than they were when they arrived. Um, nice. And that's, that's really what I learned from them. Nice. Excellent. So. Um, how are you applying that now? You know, you've left Georgetown, you've left your athletic career um, behind. Now you're a management consultant. Um, mm-hmm. You're a podcast host as well. How are you applying this to you know your current life because everything is sort of applicable and transferable how do you apply this yeah so the one thing that I really like about consulting or that kind of nature is like you are literally always on project teams and I went to business school so um we're just used to always doing group projects and I love them because you're like literally like your grade is based on how well you work as a team and so what's cool about the nature of this is of consulting is that you are so right now I'm like working for the state of California and working with social workers every day to try and get our welfare system um into like move us all into one welfare system and like you're working with real people's lives like a third of the state of California like really like depends on our welfare system and so I think from one for me it's like finding a greater purpose in my work and then two it's like how do I take what I've learned from being on a team to be able to bring joy every day to people's lives, making sure that like, you don't know what's going on in people's personal lives and you don't know, I guess the term, like what they bring in their bags lunch every day. So it's Mm -hmm. like, how do I still bring that motivation um, to work? And then also I think something that's really important, especially in our current climate is like, as a white female, I think it's really important for me to understand my privilege and the power that that kind of affords me, unfortunately. Um, but, but fortunately, and that like, I have the opportunity to give a platform or open up, try and open up doors for other men and women who are minorities. And I need to become more abreast to that, what that opportunity is. And really be able to speak up for people who are marginalized in the workplace. That's something I also talk about a lot in my book is like this idea of sisterhood and this idea of teamwork is I have to be able to see where, while I only maybe deal with misogyny, other women might be dealing with racism and misogyny and sexism. So I need to be able to understand where those doors, where, where I guess those barriers are for other women and trying to open those up um, and, and speak out for them. So that's other, that's something else I try to stay privy to. I think it's a lot more in the workplace than it exists a lot more in the workplace than it does in sports, but yeah. Okay. I, I want to touch on this a little bit. Um, you know, you said as a white woman, you know, you try to understand the privilege that you have. You open your book with a very powerful paragraph talking about breathing. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, these days, breathing 
we've come to associate it with I can't breathe. The unfortunate last words of George Floyd, Eric Garner. Um, it's become a rallying cry um, for so many that are underprivileged. Mm-hmm. What does breathing mean to you? How has the last year affected you? Because you were writing your book within this last year and you had you got to see the turmoil. How did that impact you, impact your writing, um, also impact your frame of mind um, while you were being introspective and trying to think about what, am you know, like you were saying, what am I doing to help others that don't have mm-hmm. what I have or don't have the availability to the things that I have? Yeah. That's such a good question. So to answer your first question, or I guess the first part is, I mean, this last year had a tremendous impact on, on this book. And honestly, I don't know if I would have written a book if it hadn't been for this year, but I found that, you know, things happen in life and we have a choice for how we can respond to them. And my response to how I think especially white women collectively, because I can speak on behalf of, I feel like to speak on behalf of white women, we have a responsibility and obligation to our communities and our people who don't look like us to speak out for them and use our platforms. And, you know, we, we preach a lot and I'm saying I generalize again, but like white women preach a lot about feminism, right? But it's not a blanket term for I guess it used to be all about sort of this like white idea of feminism, you know, just trying to get to the top, trying to get steal a man's position. And one, I don't, I just don't necessarily agree with that approach um, because we aren't taking into account what other, what other women are going through. And, um, and I don't think it, we need a collective power of all genders and all races to be able to achieve equality. So there's that piece of it. And then I think that breathing and I write that like breathing connects our, our subconscious to our conscious is like what we do without noticing. Like we, we're supposed to, our body just breathes naturally without us having to think about it. But when you have a knee on your neck, you're not, you're breathing, you're trying to breathe consciously. And to me, it's like, when you think about it in regards to that, I don't have to, there are not many moments in life where I've had to think about breathing consciously. The only time I did was probably when I was like, you know, on the ground with my knee torn up and you you feel like, like a knife just stabbed through it. That's like when I remember like, okay, just breathe, like follow your breath, all that. But I wasn't potentially going to die and, or be murdered. And I think when we think about it as simple as something as breath and humanize it to that sort of level, we can begin to, we'll never, white people will never comprehend what people of color have to go through. But I think we can start to, it humanizes it a little bit more for us and think, wow, like imagine not being able, someone else has your, hold your breath. So that's where that part really comes from. Mm -hmm. And then the last piece is really about this connection. Like, at the end of the day, we all have to breathe. We all have to find the connection within ourselves and then find the connection between each other. And that's really what I think superheroism is about. It's like being able to build this connection because of our differences, with our differences, not like in spite of our differences. 
um, and really represent those or be able to represent those however we want to, but also still, you know, enjoy each other's presence. That's I, I think yeah. that's very well said. And I have a couple of last questions. I don't want to take up all your time, but I do yeah. have a couple of follow-up no. questions. And I think number one, I know what my getting to know you over these last few weeks, like I have is, my opinion of you is what is your superpower? Um, I think that my superpower is that I, I'll never give up. And that's because, so it is, so too, I think, I think I'll, I, I try to never give up because I, I know, and not to get super dark but this is going to go to a dark place I remember so I struggled with eating disorders really bad throughout my college career playing soccer and the only thing that kept me alive honestly or kept me you know functioning was soccer um and I just remember being on my bathroom floor being like I'm gonna get out of this I'm like I just I want to get out of this and now being in a position where I am to be able to look at that knowing that like I can be in my darkest moment of not really wanting to survive. Um, but still knowing and having that faith that I would have, I would climb out of it. Um, and then, yeah. And so I think never give up. And then I just, I truly, truly, truly try to live by like, I really want to leave people better than I found them. Like if I could, if I had to leave this earth, you know, tomorrow, I like that is, I just want to make people feel good in, in who they are because one, because I lived so long, not liking myself. Um, and it was just so hard. And then two, because that's just, I just think it's awesome. I think people are awesome in themselves and like being, letting people be themselves and not trying to control them is like, I don't know. It just makes life so much more fun and enjoyable. And you just get to, that's, that's what it's all, that's what it's all about for me. So. I think that's yeah. excellent. That sort of tracks with what I had my opinion of your superpower as being perseverance. So, you know, after reading, you know, all of your, you know, comebacks from unfortunate knee injuries, but as well as, you know, just seeing the way you persevered on the sidelines and helping your teammates, um, I, I think that sort of absolutely tracks. And then my last question, everything that I've read, speaking to you today, I, I really really feel like your athletic career is not over. I really feel like in the future, there's going to be a coach Paul. And is that oh something God. that you've thought about? I feel like you have so much to off offer. Is that something that you would think about or have thought about? Cause I think that you have great insight um, from an athletic perspective, from an injured athlete perspective, you know, from mm -hmm. someone, you know, suffering, you know, with mental illness, you know, or mental health issues, excuse me. And I think that you offer a lot. Is that something you would consider thank thought you. about? Oh, thank you. You know, that's something that I actually talked to Lindsay about when I was graduating. Um, and I was in my first job and I was like, this is just not it for me. I'm not feeling it. I really miss sports. I mean, I literally try to play sports every day. I love them so much. And I just like love the idea of how to build teams. Um, I don't think I would. So I'm actually working on something that 
It's similar. So it's very much in the sports realm. It's with female athletes and it's coming out at the end of summer. Um, but it has to do a lot with like the struggles that I went through that a lot of female athletes struggle with. So one in three, um, it's reported that one in three female college athletes struggle with eating disorders and body image. Um, and that's only better reported. And so that obviously has weighed heavily on my life. Um, and then in that regard, um, I don't think that women are properly equipped with, with clothing and just, I guess, swagger that like defines them. It's always been like a, something that has been curated that's built for men curated for women. So I would say coach in the regards of starting a company and sort of trying to like lead a team in that way, because literally everything I do in my life is built off of an athletic lifestyle or mindset that will never leave. And I'm sure that's the same for you. Um, but I, so I see my, I'm going back into sports, but it's not necessarily like in a sports than sports field. I would love to coach like a little kid's team and just like, cause I think that would be so fun. But, um, so you're, you're close. <laughs> I was just, Definitely it was just close. a feeling. Cause I'm like, you know, just talking to you. I'm like, you just have such a, co- such a leader slash coach vibe. I'm like, I could just totally see it. I was just like, thank well, that's you. cool. Um, Marina, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me, um, being my first guest. Um, so thank you so very much. I look forward to yeah. seeing everything that you're doing before you go where can we find your book? Tell everyone where to find it, or at least everyone that's watching. Yes. So you can, um, you can type it in. It's on Amazon. It's called Becoming a Superhero by Marina Paul. And just type it in the search bar and it's there. It's um, kind of like a sunset rising. It's right now it's in ebook and paperback. And then this summer it's going to drop in hardcover. Nice. So, Very yeah. excellent. And where and- can people, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say like, you're awesome too. And I just, I've enjoyed this process so much getting to know you and I can't wait to hear more about your story and learn everything. Um, Thank you. And I think what you're doing is great and putting yourself out there creatively is really, really tough. And so I just really admire like the courage that you have to to do it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Where can people find you if they want to reach you directly? Yeah. So, um, I was like, like, check out my phone number. No, but um, (laughs) no, no, it's not. It's like, no. Um, So I'm on Instagram and it's just my name at Marina Paul. Um, It's probably the easiest or LinkedIn is Marina Paul as well. Excellent. Thank you so much. And yeah.